You're listening to the Sped Prep Academy podcast. Your host, Jennifer Hofferber, is an award-winning veteran special educator who shares her experience, knowledge, and passion to help other special educators survive and thrive in this profession. Join her and other guests as they share tips and tricks of the trade for the ever-crazy, completely overwhelming, laugh-so-you-don't-cry profession of being a special education teacher. Hey there, it's Jennifer, and I'm here with another episode of the SPED Prep Academy podcast, where I share my wisdom and experience of being a veteran special education teacher for 27 years. I want to provide you with the training tricks and tips needed to help you become a highly effective special educator. This is episode 53, and just a friendly reminder that if this is your first time here, make sure you hit subscribe so that you can get your weekly reminder to listen in. A new episode drops every Wednesday, bright and early, and I don't want you to miss out on any of the upcoming guests. Before we get started on today's show, I want you to be able to have access to the forms that I sometimes mention in the show. You can find these forms within my free resource library by becoming an associate member of the SPED Prep Academy. Just go to www.spedprepacademy.com slash resource library and sign up. There's so many different forms that will help you in your journey of writing IEPs, working with paraprofessionals grading, teaching your paras, the prompting hierarchy, and so much more. Again, to get these free forms, just go to www.spedprepacademy.com slash resource library. On today's episode, I will be chatting with Heather from A Love of Special Learning about all things transition. And I'm going to be real honest, this is not an area I know a lot about because being a K-5 teacher, it isn't a section of the IEP that I currently deal with. With that being said, my state does mandate that IEPs begin addressing transition by the age of 14. So when I used to have sixth graders, it was possible, uncommon, but possible that I would have a student who was sneaking up on their 14th birthday and I had to begin the transition process on my IEPs. So I have done the basics for it, but let me explain what it is real quick before Heather jumps in deeper. Transition services are intended to prepare students to move from the world of school to the world of adulthood, and the federal law requires that transition planning starts by the time the child reaches the age of 16. Like my state and district, transition planning may start earlier, and it takes place as part of the development of a student's IEP. The IEP team, which must include the student at this point, develops the transition plan, which includes post-secondary goals and services needed to help a student reach those goals. Transition services are based on the student's needs and must take into account his or her preferences and interests. In transition planning, the IEP team considers areas such as post-secondary education, vocational training, employment, independent living, and community participation and transition services must be a coordinated set of activities oriented towards producing results, and they must address the domains of independent and adult living. Now, this clearly acknowledges that adulthood involves a wide range of skill areas and activities, like we didn't know that as adults already. But it also makes clear that preparing a child with a disability to perform functionally across the spectrum of areas and activities may involve considerable planning, attention, and focused, coordinated services. Now note that word coordinated. That word is very important and you're going to hear from Heather how she makes sure that transition conversations and activities are coordinated and intentional. And she's also going to share with us how she has developed a training to help teachers understand this process so much better. So let's hear from Heather. Well, hi, Heather. Welcome to the Sped Prep Academy podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. 
Well, I am super excited to have you here today to talk about a topic that is just pretty much foreign to me. Because I've only taught um, K through six, I don't have a strong understanding of the whole transition process of moving our students from high school to the real world. And so I'm glad that you're an expert in this and you can help me support my listeners who are also dealing with transition. But before we get started, would you tell us a little bit about yourself and your educational background? Sure. So um, I am currently a transition teacher. I teach in our multi-needs classroom. So some people may use the term severe to profound. And uh, I spend part of my day in the transition classroom and I spend the other part of my day uh, as a transition facilitator. And so what I do is support our senior high school families and students in kind of understanding our transition programming. And so then I help them kind of make that shift from high school to transition. And then while they're in transition, I help them um, begin to learn about and access different government and community benefits. And then once they get near the time to exit those final, you know, two years or so, um, I work with families and students to really develop a plan and start to take the steps to um, live that plan and try that plan out so that they're ready to exit. So it doesn't seem, it doesn't feel like there's a cliff, you know, that special education services just stop and end, but it's more of a fade and they feel comfortable and ready to venture into life after special education services. Well, that sounds like an awesome job. I know I visited a place in Kansas one time where they had, um, they worked with the high school to get those students in a, a ceramics business where they created the ceramics and they sold them they, themselves and they made 100% profit on what they sold. And so things like that have really always interested me, mm-hmm. but I've just never been able to be a part of that. So since the title of this episode is How to Prepare Families for Transition and Beyond, Let's just start right there. So how do you engage your families in this transition process? At the transition level, I like to have informal transition meetings with my families. So each year I meet with them a few weeks before the IEP, about four to six weeks, sometimes a little earlier, but typically just a few weeks before. And we really talk about what vision they have for their their students. Um, And the students also have a voice in this meeting too, but it's because it's informal, they can really be open and honest, talk about their worries, talk about their dreams, talk about their fears, their concerns. And we begin to develop a plan for their student. And through that plan, we can articulate what type of benefits will help them achieve that plan. What kind of supports do they need? What kind of services do they need? And within that conversation, we really start to carve out the transition plan outcomes or the ultimate goals for them once they exit. And then once we have that transition plan feedback, then we develop the IEP goals. So um, having that informal meeting, it can be kind of seen as a transition plan assessment for parents, because that's something that all transition plans have to have. Um, But it really does take it a step farther. It doesn't just send a piece of paper home and ask for feedback back. It's a two-way conversation um, where information can be shared and uh, honest reflection of, um, you know, how the student is doing and where they could go in the future uh, really helps to make that transition plan meaningful and appropriate and really helps to set up the IEP to be the most appropriate for the student. You said that you don't just send a piece of paper home. And so at my level, that's basically all we do. We, We want to know what the hopes and the dreams are at our age level, but we don't go any deeper than that. So does this 
process apply only to students who are in high school or should we start talking about transition much earlier? So it all depends on what state you're in. So here in Illinois, we start at 14 and a half is when you have a transition plan. Some states are 14, some states are all the way till 16. So at that even sixth grade level, you probably only have a few students um, who would be even uh, ready to begin to think about um, developing a transition plan. So the transition plan traditionally is um, written and refined starting in the high school. So they spend those four years really developing that plan to be a strong plan. And then as they pursue transition services, that plan just continues to be molded and uh, refined and edited and st- so that it can be the best plan for that student. What suggestions would you have for a K-6 or a K-5 teacher to get parents to start thinking about what they want to do in the future or what they want their child to be able to do in the future? Mm-hmm. I would encourage families to just seek out all the learning opportunities that they can. If their school district, whether um, you know it, it includes the high school or doesn't include the high school, if they can reach out to their local high school district and find what learning opportunities there are. Are there presentations for families? Are there seminars or trainings or conferences that they can attend? Um, start to learn what options are out there so that you know as a family and a parent, guardian, um, what possibilities could look like. And I think that will just kind of almost bring a sense of relief, but will also help to create the vision um, of what's available in your area, what could be. I like that you said it's a sense of relief because when when students are placed in special education, whether it's kindergarten or third grade or fifth grade, the parents, they're scared. You know, they're even even those students who just have a you know, a diagnosis of a learning disability, they're scared for what's going to be happening in their future or what their child's going to be able to do in the future. So I like that you're trying to put them at ease early on in the in the process. Mm-hmm. And I know for me, um, having come from, I used to teach at the high school level for a few years before I moved into the transition setting. And once I started learning about all the different services and supports and options that were available, that's not something that you hear once and you feel like you know confidently and can speak confidently about, right? It's something that you need to keep revisiting, revisiting, and revisiting, finding people who are experts, asking questions specific to you know your family situation. So it definitely helps to start early um, and to hear it often so that it can really you know set in and make sense. So. We talked about the parents. How do you support the students in this process? I would say when we work with our students at the transition level, we're really looking for them to build uh, not only skills to be independent in whatever area they're focusing on, whether that's, you know, functional independent living skills or whether they're um, learning to be more independent on a college campus, right, in a, in a dorm setting. Um, but we also want them to be interdependent. So knowing how they can rely on the you know, services and supports that are available to them. So they're a student who's accessing community college, learning how to reach out to the learning center or you know, access and support for students with disabilities. And if they're in that functional setting is learning kind of what supports and services they need to be successful. What do they need to help them achieve those goals when they're in their home setting or when they're out in their competitive job or volunteer position and learning how to articulate that and then advocate for that when they need that support. That's a good point. Advocating. I, I teach college at the community college level and having a student last semester who 
she was in a wheelchair. And so she had to advocate for herself and figure out how to get the services that she needed and to be able to, you know, access the the transportation system from the city and just all those different things she had to advocate for herself. And so setting the students up for success right from, you know, before they get into that setting, that is important. Yeah. I think so often in the school setting with special education services, you know, case managers and teachers almost kind of work in the background and set everything up and then poof, you know, like, you know, the first day of school, everything's just available in there. And we don't always have, our students don't always have the opportunity to really start the conversation and advocate for what they need because it's just automatically set up for them. So when they make that shift into, you know, quote unquote, the real world, whatever that setting may look like for them, um, they really need to know how to start the conversation, realize, you know, what kind of supports they need, where to go to get the help that they need, um, how to ask for it if they've asked for it before and it's not being met. Um, so those are just important life skills in general. And transition is a really great opportunity to practice those skills and to help them navigate those conversations. So what suggestions do you have to help the parents move through this difficult and confusing time? I keep envisioning like a very high needs kind of child who you know, might need to go to a group home or something. And the parents are so overwhelmed. So I don't want to let go of my baby. I don't want to, you know, let him leave my house, but I know that I need to kind of situation. So how would you support the families that are really, really struggling with letting go? I think my best tip would be again, to start early, you know, kind of like I mentioned before that, the more that you can engage in those learning opportunities to find out what's available, um, I think may help to welcome the ideas, you know, that in the future, things may look different and that's okay. And the individual themselves, the student themselves is probably going to want to get to that point and, you know, live in a different home and um, explore different vocational opportunities And it's really important that their voice and that their wants and desires and wishes are heard and efforts are made to make that happen. And here in Illinois, our transition programming goes up until uh, 22 years old. And so when I meet with families, I say, no, they're probably not going to want to move out of their house right at 22, but they might want to move out at 28 and they might want to move out at 30, right? And so just starting to have those conversations that that is an option, right? That's something that they can do in the future if they want to. And then starting to make that structure in the home setting now of helping them to be independent in some of those chores and, you know, responsibilities around the house um, so that they're starting to build naturally uh, that independence and interdependence so that when the time comes where the individual voices that they want to move out of the house or that they want to pursue that competitive job, that they are supported. And it almost feels like a natural shift to that next experience. Those are good tips. So what do you do if a parent and the student are kind of butting heads where they're, they're not on the same page, they want completely different things. And, you know, how do you, how do you kind of facilitate that or mediate that kind of situation? I really think it comes back to the student. I mean, it is ultimately their life that they're living, right? So I think that they have, you know, the biggest voice, the biggest stake in in the game, so to say. Um, And obviously the parents, the family is going to know them best and kind of know uh, what supports they might need. Um, 
And so that can be a tricky conversation to navigate, but I think it comes back to how can we help make that student achieve what they want to achieve? Because their sense of internal motivation is going to go a lot farther than having external pushes to achieve something. So transition is definitely the time to work on those advocacy skills and um, to really help them articulate and voice the things that they want and why they want it and how we can work towards that. Have you ever seen the the TV series Born This Way? Yes. Yes. That's what I keep picturing in my brain is how the parents, you know, kind of some of the parents held them back a little bit and some of the parents were just like pushing them and helping them become more independent. And it felt like, you know, the parents really needed to collaborate with other parents who are going through the same kind of situation. And have you ever been in that situation where you could help facilitate the parents' growth by partnering them up with other parents? Absolutely. Yes. Um, Something that we do in my program is we have a family group. So we bring in different speakers. We've had parent panels. Um, It's really encouraging to hear um, parents who have had, you know, recent graduates and parents who have had graduates who have been out um, for a few years speak about their experience, things, you know, that they um, had to troubleshoot, um, barriers they experienced things they're glad they did, things they wish they would have done, um, and just kind of share their wisdom. Um, Because I think through that, parents are able to form connections and kind of almost hear their own story being said back to them, um, which can be really good for reflection. Um, I think it also gives like a sense of hope and a sense of direction to see that other families have gone through the same process or had the same worries and concerns. And, uh, you know, their their student... um, their child, even though they're adult, is thriving and doing well, right? So we do support families in that way because that connection is so important. Yeah, I agree. I think if I was in that situation, I I would want that support. I would want to hear from people who had gone before me and to know that it's going to be okay, whether I think it is right now or not. Mm-hmm. So are there any resources out there as far as um, places that parents can contact to get support if they're not being supported enough in the school systems or websites, anything that might support teachers so that they can support the parents? Yes. So I know here in Illinois, our ARC Association, A-R-C, is very active and has a lot of different and free trainings, webinars, seminars, conferences. Um, And they are really a wealth of information, especially for families um, who have students with intellectual and developmental disabilities. Um, I think they are a great resource and every state has a chapter. So um, families can reach out to um, staff there to get connections for, you know, their more specific questions. Um, They can connect them with different experts. For educators who are looking to increase their understanding of how to better support students and families as they get ready to exit, um, I actually saw this as a huge area of need. I can say that in my first few years of transition, I had no idea what benefits were, and um, I really wish that I would have known, but it was never talked about in my undergraduate. It was never talked about in my graduate program, as amazing as those programs were. Um, So I really had to, you know, lead my own charge, lead uh, my own learning. And so I learned as much as I could. And I realized that my families were much more successful and much 
felt more ready to exit and graduate um, when they had systems and supports and services in place. So actually this summer I released um, a professional development called Confused to Connected with the whole point of helping teachers, case managers um, at the high school and transition level really learn about what options are out there, how to help families create a vision for their student, how to um, get the student to advocate for what they want, um, and then how to help them access those benefits so that when they get to the time of exit, they are prepared. They have a plan, they have funding, they have supports and services, and they're ready to make that transition. That's amazing. So can you tell the listeners how they can find that training that Confused to Connected training that you created? Yeah. So they can go to my website, aloveforspeciallearning.com. Um, the top menu choice will say professional development. They can click on there. Um, for your listeners, this is available currently. You can register for it now all the way through October 1st of 2021. Um, and it is a four-week session. And uh, I first released it in June and I'm offering it again. And I'll probably offer it again a couple more times um, in the beginning of 2022. This has been very insightful and very, um, I don't know, it just helps me know what's going to happen on down the road with my own students. So thank you so much for coming on the show and for sharing all of your wisdom with us. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for sticking with me until the end. I can tell just by listening to this show that you are just as dedicated to the field of special education as I am, and you want to grow into an amazing educator. And I'm here for it. I'm here for you, and I am so thrilled to be able to share all of my wisdom of being a veteran SPED teacher on the SPED Prep Academy podcast. If you are enjoying this podcast and want to share it with your friends, go ahead and screenshot an image from your favorite episode and tag me on Instagram. You can also subscribe to the show and leave a review. Those reviews give an instant boost to my ego, and they help others find the podcast as well. And I'd love it if you'd join us in the private SPED Prep Academy Facebook community. We are a small group of like-minded individuals, but it's a safe space where special educators and related service providers can talk shop. If you liked what you heard today and realized you found your SPED soulmate, please subscribe and then head over to spedprepacademy.com slash podcast to check out the show notes and sign up to be notified each time a new episode airs. Go out and have an amazing day and I'll catch you on the next episode.